Welcome to Fiscal One-on-One. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a fiscal topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. The following interview was conducted on December 18, 2012. Mary Shipman, editor for the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency, interviewed Holly Lyons, director of the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency, about the background of the Fiscal Services Division, major roles of the division, and the history of the division. My name is Mary Shipman. I'm with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency, and I'm here today to talk about the role of the Fiscal Services Division with Holly Lyons, who is the director. Holly, what do you see as the major role of the Fiscal Services Division. Okay, first of all, thanks Mary for being here today and asking me to do this. The major role of the Fiscal Services Division is to provide nonpartisan, factual, and timely information on state expenditures and revenue to legislators to assist them in making budget and policy-making decisions. And we do that in a number of different ways. The Fiscal Services Division staffs the legislative budget process specifically the Appropriations Subcommittees, the House and Senate Appropriations Committee, and the Ways and Means Committee. We evaluate the potential impact of legislative proposals on state and local government, and these are called fiscal notes. The Fiscal Services Division also staffs the Revenue Estimating Conference, which is the three-member committee that meets three times a year to provide a consensus revenue estimate for state revenue. The governor must use this estimate in the preparation of his or her budget, and the legislature must also use the same estimate. We also provide an oversight function for the legislature. Our department's complying with legislative intent. We review expenditures throughout the year, not just during the legislative session. We provide various reports throughout the year to legislators concerning the status of the budget, and we also provide reviews of selected issues and topics concerning state government. So we do a lot. (laughs) So we do a lot. That's a lot of things. I'm sure it probably didn't cover every role that we have, but that's a good list. Can you give me a little background and history of the division? For example, describe the conversion from the Legislative Fiscal Bureau to the Fiscal Services Division of the LSA, and how has the size and scope of staffing changed over your tenure here at state government? Sure. A little bit of background. It's my understanding that the Legislative Fiscal Bureau, which was the predecessor of the Fiscal Services Division, was established as a separate central staff agency of the legislature in 1967, with a staff of three or four people, including one administrative secretary. By the time I came on staff in the early 80s, the Fiscal Bureau had a staff of approximately 17 people, including two computer analysts and three administrative staff. The mid-1980s saw the addition of staff as the legislature strengthened their oversight of the budget and programs. In 2002 or 2003, the legislature combined the bill drafting function, the fiscal analysis function, and the computer support function into one central staff agency called the Legislative Services Agency, of which the Fiscal Services Division is now one of the divisions. In doing so, we were able to maximize efficiencies and share administrative and computer staff. Our numbers have held steady at 17 analysts for more than 10 years. The conversion was a little difficult at first. We lost some autonomy and there were some growing pains, but over the years as a combined agency we've built a closer relationship with the bill drafters and in the long run we've become more efficient. What would you say is the role of a fiscal analyst? For example, what kinds of things do they do to help legislators do their job? Well, again, the primary role of a fiscal analyst is to provide the objective, nonpartisan information to legislators to help them make budget and policy decisions. 
Each of our analysts are assigned to a budget subcommittee or a standing committee, such as Ways and Means, Full Appropriations, or Education. During the legislative session, we staff those subcommittees and help the chairpersons develop agendas and analyze the department budget requests and the governor's recommendations. Throughout the process, beginning in the fall, a fiscal analyst is preparing reports and responding to requests for information at each stage of the process. Analysts are also assigned subject areas, usually aligned with their subcommittee assignments. And they write fiscal notes, correctional impact statements, and minority impact statements on pending legislation. We will also do research memos on legislative proposals, ideas that maybe aren't bills yet, but that a legislature wants flushed out and analyzed for fiscal impact. During the interim months, after we've prepared our year-end report on the legislative action, fiscal analysts may research topics in their assigned area and write issue reviews or fiscal topics. We also spend the interim working on creating new or improved products or ways to do analysis. There really isn't much time between budget cycles. What are some of the qualifications that you look for in a fiscal analyst when you're hiring a new one? This is a good question. A fiscal analyst has to have excellent analytical skills and the ability to analyze an issue or a proposal from all angles. They need to be able to communicate well, both verbally and in writing. And of course, nonpartisan is key. It's not our job to make decisions. That's the legislator's job. Our job is to provide good information and objectively. An analyst also has to have thick skin in this environment. In our nonpartisan role, not everyone wants to hear what we have to say or, or often wishes we would say it differently. You have to be able to take criticism and you also need to be able to build credibility. And of course, you have to like to work with people. In terms of educational background, we look for people with college degrees, preferably master's degrees, but we've hired people from a variety of disciplines, accounting, business, health policy, attorneys, urban and regional planning, and of course economics. So how do analysts maintain their nonpartisanship? Like the legal division staff, the fiscal services staff is governed by the guidelines established by the Legislative Council concerning nonpartisanship. We can vote in all general and special elections, but we cannot participate in campaigns or political fundraisers. It's important that we are not identified as an advocate or opponent of any issue that might come before the legislature. It is also very important that an analyst is not identified as favoring one political party or another. So we are restricted on how we express opinions on issues. It's not easy to walk the line, but it's extremely important for us to do so to maintain that credibility and objectivity. Can you briefly describe a few key publications produced by the Fiscal Services Division and how they benefit legislators and members of the public? Sure. There are many publications produced by the Fiscal Services Division. In December, we issue a report on the department budget requests, which is our first look at the budget for the following year. Then in January, we issue the analysis of the governor's budget recommendations. The legislatures use the information in this document to help them make their budget decisions during the session. Throughout the appropriations process, we provide a side-by-side -side analysis of budget bills. The bills are on the left-hand side of the document, and our explanation and analysis is on the right-hand side. These are called NOBAs, or Notes on Bills and Amendments. And of course, there are fiscal notes, fiscal impact statements on administrative rules, issue reviews, fiscal topics, and some of our more comprehensive reports, like the year-end summary that we issue in June. There's also a document we call Factbook, which is a compilation of all sorts of facts and statistics about state government. There's the monthly general fund revenue memos, which are also in video format. And that memo is a status of general fund receipts. There's also the monthly Medicaid forecast memo. 
And we have a few relatively new projects, these fiscal one-on-one -on -one audio topics in our map or chart of the week on the LSA website. All of this information is provided to help the decision makers make good decisions and to help them understand the budget, which can be a very complicated process. We try to provide both the big picture level and the detail level for those legislators or members of the public that also like to dig into the detail. I heard you talk about fiscal notes. Can you tell us a little more about that? For example, what is the process? How does a legislator request a note? And what do analysts do in response? And can you give us like an average number of fiscal notes published each year and how does that compare with the number of requests received? Fiscal notes outline the monetary effects of pending legislation. Fiscal notes are required by Joint Rule 17 for all legislation having a fiscal effect of $100,000 or more in one fiscal year or $500,000 or more in a five-year period. The Legal Services Division of the LSA often perceives the need for a fiscal note during the drafting process. They notify the Fiscal Services Division and that initiates the data collection and note writing process. Fiscal Division staff gather information from state databases, existing LSA databases, files, from other states, national sources and associations, and even from interest groups, although we review that information very carefully as we seek objective and verifiable information. We analyze and summarize and write the note. Some are very complex, some can be pretty simple, and sometimes we can't estimate the impact and we'll say that and state why we can't estimate it. Fiscal notes can also be requested by a legislator, regardless of the perceived need. In that case, the requester's name will appear at the top of the fiscal note. To request a note, a legislator just needs to call or email the Fiscal Services Division or talk directly to one of our staff. Fiscal notes are filed only when legislation is introduced and must be attached prior to debate of a bill. They can be written to bills or amendments. And the notes are filed in the well of the appropriate chamber and appear in the chamber's clip sheets and on the internet. Ideally, fiscal notes estimate the impact on revenues and expenditures for two or more future fiscal years. Typically, we will file 145 to 150 fiscal notes in a legislative session. We write many more, probably another 100 or so, and research many more that don't get written at all. All the bills are reviewed for perceived need, and I believe there are nearly 2,500 bills drafted in a typical session. Any legislation that proposes a change in the law which creates a public offense or significantly changes an existing offense or penalty requires a correctional impact statement. But that might be a whole other one-on-one topic <laughs> to discuss those. Yeah, I concur. Also, in addition to fiscal notes, I think there are often just general requests, either from legislators or members of the public. How are those handled? Uh, all information requests from legislators to the Fiscal Services Division are handled confidentially. If a legislature comes to an analyst with a request, that analyst keeps that request confidential unless the legislator tells him or her otherwise. We don't tell members of one party what the members of the other party have requested, and we don't even tell members of the same party what their colleagues have requested. If a legislator has asked us to seek information from a State Department or agency, we do not divulge who the requester was. We also don't make our research on a fiscal note public until a fiscal note is filed, and then only on request. We do respond to questions from the public and the press, but we're careful not to express our opinion. And our foremost responsibility is to the 150 legislators and their staff. We respond to requests for information from the public and the press as time allows. What are some of the most common difficulties that analysts <laughs> encounter? 
Another good question. There are several difficulties inherent in the job of a fiscal analyst. First of all, the fast pace of the legislative session creates a huge workload in a short period of time. Analysts find themselves analyzing the budget, staffing committees, and preparing agendas, researching questions, and writing fiscal notes all in a day's work. No two days of the session are the same. We often have to analyze and explain complex issues, often on short notice. It's difficult to walk the nonpartisan line and to have the thick skin that I mentioned. We're often criticized by one side or the other. We're criticized by lobbyists or advocacy groups that our information is wrong. We essentially have 150 bosses, and we need to make ourselves available to all of them and provide the same objective service and information to all of them. It's challenging but rewarding work. You get to see public policy being made from the very inception of an idea or a proposal and see it work its way through the legislative process. I heard you mention earlier when we were talking about the role of fiscal services about the Revenue Estimating Conference, and I know you're one of the three members of that. Could you kind of describe your role in that and then also how the REC impacts the general fund financial condition as it relates to expenditure limitation? The Revenue Estimating Conference, as I said, is a three-member committee that's charged to reach a consensus revenue estimate. The three members are the Legislative Services Agency Director's designee, which is currently myself, the governor's designee, which is currently David Roeder, the director of the Department of Management, and a third public member agreed to by the other two members. That third member is David Underwood, a businessman from Clear Lake, Iowa. The REC meets at least three times a year and by December 15th must agree to a revenue estimate for the fiscal year beginning the following July 1st. Iowa has an expenditure limitation law. That is, spending is limited to 99% of the adjusted revenue estimate or 95% of any new revenue implemented. The governor and the legislature must use the revenue estimated agreed to by the REC or a later estimate if it is lower as the basis to determine the general fund budget for the following fiscal year. Staff of the Fiscal Services Division provides research and analysis of the national and state economy to help me make informed decisions about estimating the general fund revenue. I want to thank you for talking to me today and Hopefully those listening will have a much clearer vision of the Fiscal Services Division. Thank you for having me.